Good afternoon, Orlando. My name is Dominic Diaz, and I'm the host of the Apollo Audible, providing my insight and opinions on your hometown AAF team. In tonight's episode, we'll be discussing our week two recap, AAF drama slash rumors, and my personal favorite, fantasy football. So, first thing I want to address is going to be my long hiatus or break from the show. So in case this episode sounds horrible or if I stutter a lot, you guys should have an idea on why. I have been busy with uh, schoolwork, my job, and other personal things in my life, so it's been hard to really sit down and record an episode, especially when, I don't know, I'm really picky when it comes to recording an episode. I've easily recorded like three different episodes before this, and I've deleted every single one of them, because I just, I'm very, I have a high standard, and it's 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 kind of it's kind of aggravating because every time I try to record something, it's just not good enough. So no matter what, I promise this video is going to be up on YouTube and Podbean. I promise you guys that right now. I'm I'm tired of having to keep on re uh, re-recording videos. But other than that, I'm going to be trying to record two episodes a week from now on. So the first one will be the episode you're listening to right now, uh, where I'll be recapping everything that occurred within the past week. That includes AAF scores, statistics, fantasy football, rumors, etc. The other episode is going to be a game preview. Now, the game preview is going to be interesting because I'm going to be bringing on uh, special guests from multiple different podcasts, depending on what team we're facing. We'll let them talk about their team. You know, we'll get we get we get a sort of a taste of what that team's like, what to expect, and then from there we'll just learn some more insight and we'll give insight back to them. It's just I don't know. It was a fun little idea I had going on so I thought you know what let's do that so we had an interesting week two of the AAF from defensive battles to offensive shootouts so I'm not going to go in detail with every AAF match because of course this is the Apollo audible but the score lines are as followed Birmingham won in Alabama 12 to 9 against the Salt Lake Stallions the hot shots came into Memphis and won a close battle, 20-18. The Legends fall 0-2 as they lose to San Diego, 24-12. And your Orlando Apollos are still undefeated as they beat the San Antonio Commanders in front of 29,000 fans in the Alodome, 37-29. So, there are a couple interesting statistics. Oh my god. There are a couple interesting statistics I just want to throw out between the Orlando and San Antonio game. So, Apollo's quarterback, Garrett Gilbert, was 19 for 28. Completions, 393 passing yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 134.5 passer rating, and Garrett Gilbert was named the AAF Week 2 Offensive Player of the Week. Good for him. Our running back, Dearness Johnson. At 8 attempts for 50, 57 yards. He averaged 7.1 average yards per rush. 0 touchdowns. And his long was 19 yards. C. Johnson. This game went off. Like, I don't know how he didn't win off as the player of the week. Our wide receiver uh, accumulated 7 receptions for 192 yards with 1 touchdown. That is right. I said 192 yards. That wasn't a mistake on my part. Now, the next receiver, Jalen Marshall, accumulated three receptions for 84 yards and one touchdown. Now, Jalen Marshall had by far the highest wide receiver rating 
uh, per Pro Football Focus, which was 156.3. That's unhuman. Like, nobody, nobody in the AAF or NFL has had a pass rating like that before. So, Jalen Marshall's already setting standards high already. Now, C. Thompson, another wide receiver, had two targets, completed all of them for two, two receptions, 70 yards, and a long of 54 yards. Flipping the ball over to the defense, Reggie Northup the second, got six tackles, five assisted tackles, or 11 combined tackles, which is the most uh, out of any defensive teammate. And in my opinion, my MVP for uh, Saturday night's game was Keith Reeser. He had two tackles and one interception or pick six. That, in my opinion, won us the game. So if you guys don't know, I'm going to give a little bit more insight on our win. We won 37-29 to in an offensive shootout. It was back and forth, back and forth. We went into halftime trailing 18-17. to It was a tough match, but we grinded it out and won. Uh, the reason we did win was because of the pick six from the guy I just mentioned, Keith Reeser. It was tied 29-29. San Antonio tried throwing an out route. Keith Reeser jumped the out route and returned it all the way into the end zone. So he was by far the reason why we won. Uh, he was also the highest-graded cornerback so far throughout the two weeks with a 93.3 rating, and he is the AAF Week 2 Defensive Player of the Week. Now for San Antonio, some statistics on San Antonio. L. Woodside, their quarterback, was 20 for 39 on completions. He threw for 223 yards, one touchdown, one interception, and a 66.5 QBR, which is not good whatsoever. Uh, the running back did do pretty decent. His name's K. Farrell II. Off, on 13 attempts, he ran for 74 yards and a touchdown with a long of 15. And their wide receiver, D. Ayers, caught five balls for 80 yards. No touchdowns, but he did have a long of 29. Now, if I had to pick the three stars or the three personal game changers for that game, it would definitely have to be Garrett Gilbert, Jalen Marshall, and of course, my, I already told you guys, my MVP, Keith Reeser. So, PFF, Pro Football Focus, just posted a power rankings uh, for week two so far. I'm going to read them out loud, one through eight listed. I'm going to read starting from the bottom at number eight, we'll go up to the best team, number one. So at number eight, we have the Memphis Express. At seven, we have the ATL Legends. At six, we have San Diego Fleet. Five, we have the Boringham Iron. At four, we have the Salt Lake Stallions. Three, we have the San Antonio Commanders. And at two, we have the Orlando Apollos. And at one, we have the Arizona Hotshots. So, I don't know if I agree with that completely. So, you know what? I decided to come up with my own little power ranking system. I'm going to do the same thing, except I'm going to go from the best team to the worst team. So at number one, of course, you already, you guys already know what I'm going to have to put. The Orlando Apollos at number one. San Antonio Commanders at number two. Arizona Hotshots at number three. Birmingham Iron at number four, Salt Lake Stallions at number five, San Diego Fleet at six, Atlanta at seven, and at number eight, sorry Memphis, the Memphis Express. I don't know, something about Memphis, dude. They're just, they're giving me like these brown, the Cleveland brown like sort of vibes, and I just feel bad for them. I really do. I mean, they got shut out the first game of the season, so 
going to be interesting. We do play them this week, so watch out for our game preview. I'm going to be bringing on the Memphis Golden Express podcast. It's going to be a fun time. Make sure you go check it out. Uh, I, by the time this video is uploaded, I don't know when the other video is going to come up. Just know that's going to be a good video, all right, people? The game preview is going to be a great video. Uh, the Memphis Express podcast is probably one of my favorite uh, AAF podcasts out there. They're 100 times better than me, so I know you guys. If you're watching this, you'll, you'll love them. You'll love them. So moving on from the re- recap, there was some drama going around in the AAF Twitter sphere yesterday. Uh, some people were afraid the AAF was going to shut down. Some pe- some people genuinely believed the league was in a financial crisis, and this was all because the AAF gained a big investment of two hundred fifty million dollars from the owner of the NHL team, the Carolina Hurricanes, Tom Dundon. Now, reporter, I'm air quoting the word reporter. Darren Rovel, or Rovel tweeted, Update, AAF players who were told league missed payroll for week one because of a glitch have now been paid. Hours after league announces it essentially sold itself, air quotes, to Carolina Hurricanes owner Tom Dundon. Now, there are a couple things wrong with that statement, and I'm only going to address the first one, which is going to be the AAF did not sell itself. Calm down, people. The AAF is still the AAF. Nothing has changed. The only thing that changed was that the AAF gained an investment of $250 million, and that's a good change, guys. Like, any startup is going to want $250 million. That's, I'll take it. Other articles were also mentioning how the league was going to shut down before week two because of the lack of funds. Guys, all these claims, as Donald Trump would say, fake news. But seriously, though, all these claims are false. This quote comes from the Orlando Sentinel. And I'm just going to recap this whole, this whole, uh, I think it's like three paragraphs, guys, so bear with me here, but it will explain everything in this, in this section. Charlie Ebersol, the CEO and co-founder of the AAF, told the Orlando Sentinel on Tuesday his fledgling league was never in any serious financial jeopardy, directly contradicting the athletic report the league was running short on cash, in quotation marks, and needed an influx of money to avoid the possibility of being unable to make payroll. The athletic story portrayed Dundon's investment as a bailout, but Ebersole portrayed it as a buy-in. The athletic report portrayed it as if the league was in a su- was in such a financial crisis. Dundon mercifully contributed money to save it. Ebersole portrayed it as if the league has gotten such rave reviews and is in such a premium bargaining position that Dundon couldn't wait to invest. After that first week of games, we were at the height of our valuation and were able to dictate our future. Our future. Ebersol said of the Alliance's debut, during which the TV ratings, fan response, and social media reaction were all surprisingly positive. When asked by the Sentinel if the league was in a financial bind before Dunn bought in, Ebersol said, We are a startup, and startups usually raise money in pieces. There's a Series A piece, Series B piece, Series C, etc. After the success of the first week, we had a number of investors come to us and offer us all different kinds of investments. Tom Dundon showed up and said, Do you want to continue to raise Series B, Series C, or and Series D? Or do you want to raise Series Infinity right now and be taken care of from now on? That was an offer I was not going to refuse. If I was going to describe to you my dream investor, I would have told you a 47-year-old football fan who has professional sports ownership experience and is self-made, a man who went from zero to billions of dollars completely on his own work. 
That describes Tom Tom Dundon. In my wildest dreams, I didn't think we would be able to get someone like Tom Dundon to come into the way he did. Now, guys, I have sped through this whole podcast so far. I was expecting like maybe a twenty minute podcast, but there's there's very little things I have to explain left. So we're gonna have to get to the fun part, guys. Fantasy football. So this is gonna be my first time talking about fantasy football on the podcast. So I might be a little bit rusty and I might be a little bit cringy, but the rest of my podcast cringy. So if you're listening this far, I believe in you. Let's just finish it out. So ActionNetwork.com came out with fantasy football power rankings for week three, and I agree with every single one of the ranking rankings. So I thought I'd share them. So the top four QBs for week three of fantasy football is going to be Garrett Gilbert from Orlando, John Wolford from Arizona. Louis Perez from Birmingham, and of course, Logan Woodside from Sacramento. Moving on to the running back position, I'm going to list the top eight. So the top eight, starting at number one, is going to be Trent Richardson. Number two, Jaquan Gardner. Number three, Kenneth Farrell II. Number four, Zach Stacy. Number five, Brandon Oliver. Six, Jerrell Presley Seven, Terrian Fulston, and last but not least, number eight, Aaron Green from Sacramento. I mean, San Antonio. Sorry, my bad, my bad. And at the wide receiver position, I'm going to be listing. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of wide receivers they listed. So you know what? I'm just going to be listing the top. I'm going to say the top sixteen. Okay. So guys, at number one, take notes. This is an Orlando native, Charles Johnson. He is going to be ranked at number one. Rashad Ross from Arizona at number two. Quinton Patton at number three, Mikhail McKay at number four, another Orlando player, Jalen Marshall at number five, Greg Ward Jr. six, Brian Brown seven, eight we have Shantavius Jones at from Atlanta, number nine we have Demorne Pearson L from uh, Salt Lake, Reese Horn from Memphis. Chris Thompson, again, from your Orlando Apollos. At 12, we have Demarcus Ayers. 13, we have Malachi Jones. 14, we have Alton Howard. 15 and 15. We actually have two at 15, which is going to be counting as 15 and 16. They're both from Arizona. Josh Hoof and Richard Mullaney. Now, I don't, I'm kind of debating if I even want to list the, the flex position because I already listed the wide receivers and uh, throwing backs. You know what? I'm not going to list that, actually. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. It was a little bit short, but I tried to compress all my info into one podcast. I worked hard to gather all this info, and I know the Apollo family will appreciate it. It's Dominic Diaz, and I'm signing off. Bye-bye, Orlando.